Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. Here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. And if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing here, uh, if you'd like to learn more about our, our mission work in Mexico, then I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com, or you can check us out on Facebook. Um, so this is our Thursday night, our conversation through the Law and the Prophets. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, yesterday. <laughs> last week, we uh, covered uh, the introduction to the Law, and we covered Genesis chapter 1. And today, I think we're going to be finishing out Genesis 1 and, and getting into 2 and 3 and, and a little bit farther on into the text, so I'm excited yeah, to do that. Yeah, hopefully we won't. We're, we'll get a... Well, I don't have any... I'm not going to be reading any more ancient Near Eastern law codes. So there I think I think we're we're already... We're past that. We're yeah. already moving in a good direction. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, we're... we're uh, you know, it got it got a little boggy last week, but that's uh, it's good. You know, we, we needed to do that to get it to a point where, uh, where like I said last week, you know, how... Why am I following this guy? Why is it important? You know, and I think everything we ended with last week was uh, was uh, everything you guys out there were worshiping, God created it. And that's a big deal. Absolutely. That's how we ended it last week. And and I think we need to we need to focus on that. We need to we need to remember that 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 even when we get to a point where we start worshiping things we should not worship, remember that God created them. And the really one the one we should be worshiping is him. He's the one we should be worshiping. Absolutely. And I think that's what it what the whole message was last week. And and you know, the the I I really like that code you read, uh, because it was uh, you know, the guy how arrogant. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then I I was thinking as you were reading, I think, man, we we act the same way. You know, guys get in a family and they try, try to be the king and the god in a in a family and act the same exact way. So anyway. Well, let's pray and we'll get started. Absolutely. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to do this tonight. We pray your blessings upon it. We pray you will help us as we as we teach, and uh, and for those who are listening, that you'll you'll be with them as they listen. That you'll open hearts and open minds that they might hear and and hear and and really follow the truth that as we teach it tonight. Bless us, Father, in all that we do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we left off in in Genesis chapter one. I think this week. Um, we're going to start off really at, at the very end of chapter one, and we're going to get into verse uh, 31. But let me ask you something, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, what's good in your eyes? What's good? What do you, what do you Explain what you're talking about, what's good in my eyes. Well, like, what's, like, what do you find to be good? What do you find to be pleasing? What do you find to be... Um, encouraging, worthwhile in Philippians chapter 4 oh, I'd say now you're getting into something different again because I was already focused on what's good ice cream ice cream, okay, alright man. man. my wife will tell you man we you could know, not be more different I can't I, I stand love, ice cream you, you don't like ice cream? Not a big I love fan. ice cream man not I especially like my son Mark his, uh, his, uh, it makes a really really mean homemade ice cream I'm telling you man you know, and now my youngest son is starting to do it too. And, and there's, I mean, that they make a they make a mean bowl. I don't mean to be home, too strong. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Of homemade ice cream. So I like homemade ice cream. I think that's good. All right. Know? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't mean but to be too strong. But you were talking philosophical and all that stuff. Well, no, I mean, not necessarily. I think that's that's. I love hot rods. Fine. You know, I okay. love I love cars that go fast. Uh, you know, I love uh, uh, I love my family. I think that's uh, I think my family is good. You know, I love I, I think. Uh, 
something really is good when you get in a spiritual sense. I think the church is good. Oh yeah. For all intents and purposes, the church is good, and and I love being a part of it. I love uh, the the idea that I'm part of the family of God, and uh, that really that really uh, makes me feel good. It gives me it gives me a sense of comfort uh, when uh, when the storms are, are flying around and you know the hail's flying around in my life. It gives me a real comfort. So that's good. That's a good thing, and and I and I love that uh, that God loves me. Uh, I think it's a really good thing that uh, that I have a relationship with God. And it wasn't because of what I'd done, because of what he did. I can't really explain that to someone. You have to live it. You have to see it lived out in people's lives. And, uh, you know, I think that's why last week I was, in fact, I was writing a note here, God made what you worship. You know, and I, I wanted to make sure I remembered that. And, uh, you know, I, I have a God who made everything. And having a relationship with him is a good thing. So it's... It's better than ice cream, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Now, but when it comes to a little physical, you know, really down to earth, I love, I love, uh, I love my grandkids. I think my grandkids are good. You know, I think I, I'm glad they go home with their parents. But you know, <laughs> well, I hear it's it's that's the joy of being a grandparent. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it can be. You know, anybody that knows Hurricane Hannah, uh, oh. you know, knows, uh, you know, my little granddaughter. She. She can be a real uh, handful. But, wow! But it, th- those are those are all good things. I look in her eyes and I know that what a life she has ahead of her. You know, I pray that there's a that there's good out there for her to be to be enjoyed by her. Uh, I hope. You know, I have a lot of hope, and that's a good thing too because my hope is is based on Jesus and His. You know, like the song says, my hope is built on nothing less mm. than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, and I have a great deal of hope that God's in charge. And I love that. I think it's good. I think it's good. You know, I think having a relationship with you is good. I think it's good for both of us. I think it's, uh, I, I, you know, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy your company. I enjoy you as an individual. And uh, I think we, uh, I think we connect, even though we're completely different polar opposites. You know, I think we connect and I think that's a good thing. And I think the only, that only happens because of God. You know, we did, we did uh, the thing on, on uh, uh, the, the funeral for Vic I mean, for Mary Jane. And I told you, I said, you know, I mean, Mary Jane came from a place that, that I didn't even understand because because she has she has letters behind her name. Those letters to me, you know all they mean? Just letters of the alphabet. I mean, anything to me. Not, not from where I came from. But, you know, God can mold us and meld us and make us into a, into a unit through his blood. That's a good thing, man. Well, into one body. He takes those who might be opposites he takes those who you know i mean where in normal life you might ha- not have anything to do with each other you know no and, you don't understand the life that 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 they ran the life that they had you know i didn't even cross the path that they crossed on any time in their life i never would have crossed their path because i wasn't in the same i wasn't in the same hemisphere with them you know and and i can you know, and, and and I know Vic's a humble man. So was Mary Jane. She's a very humble woman, and they would have they've been aghast at something like. But from my perspective, you know, they they went to college and they did, you know, they they got PhDs and masters and all that stuff. And I'm going, I don't know what you're talking about. That wasn't that's not where I lived. And then yet God brought us together. You know, I mean, no rhyme or reason, dude. And here we are. 
and I get a chance, I get the privilege of being a part of his family and being a part of his life. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is very amazing. It, and it's a good, it's good. So for you guys out there, I don't care how broken your life is. I don't care how much you think you're, you're a schmuck and you're never going to amount to nothing. I can tell you that God can bring you to something that you never dreamed was possible. Absolutely. And he can put two polar opposites together and have us click. He can, he can put people together like the Morgans and my life. And, and, you know, and I'm going, man, man, you know, I mean, I sat in his house the other day and I felt oh, it was okay. You know, I felt good. I mean, you know, I felt he, he, he and I were, you understand what I'm saying? No, we're on the same page for sure. For yeah. Sure. And, and we talked about it the other day that, that, uh, man, I didn't run the same circles as him, man. No way. Man, he went to SMU, man. He was a, he was a, a college president. Man, he ain't president of nothing. <laughs> you, know, you know, I could barely rub two nickels together to come up with a dime in my life. You know, just, and yet here we are. Here we are. And God is awesome. It is awesome. He's he, good. He is awesome, man. It, it, it's amazing. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever met anybody who was just, because of their broken life or because of maybe trauma in their past, because of um, things that had occurred to them, uh, have you ever noticed that, that broken and hurt people seem to have a skewed perception of oh, what absolutely. is good? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They have a, they have a, a perception that everybody's out to get them. Uh, there is no good in the, in the world. That's why the divorce, that's why suicide rate is so high because the the hopelessness that comes to a place where you you look at killing yourself, you know, you look at 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 uh, there is no good. In many instances, there is no good when when that's perception, and it's a skewed perception because you haven't looked at all the avenues yet. You haven't looked at all the dynamics. You haven't looked behind all the corners and around every turn yet. You haven't turned on all the lights yet, and and it is easy to get a skewed perception when you haven't turned on all of the lights. For sure, it really is. For you know, sure. if you haven't if you haven't opened all the doors, then you know all of us going to get a skewed perception of what's good and what's not good because we're going to have to come up with our own idea of what's good. You know, when I come up with my own idea of what's good, now I'm in trouble. Let's let's leave it right there. I'm going to leave okay. that alone for now, and let's jump into that's a good segue. Let's jump into okay. Genesis chapter one. Now I said we were, we finished Genesis chapter one. We're going to look at verse thirty one. Okay. okay. So let's look at 31. God saw all that he had made. So we finished this creation account. All of those things you used to worship back in Egypt, those actually <laughs> were created by God, right? I invest rulership, the, that authority in all mankind, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. one person, right? He saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So if anyone's, just side note, because this is the first time I read that. Mm-hmm. If anyone's ever curious, for... Uh, the Hebrew culture, the day started in the evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it it's 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 a little backwards from our understanding, but that's why it says that it reads there's evening and there's morning and then such and such day because for them the day started in the evening, ended in the morning. So it was just a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, there you have it. Thought I might explain mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in learning more about that, hey, you know Google's a wonderful thing. Check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's why it does that. So. But notice what it says before that. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Mm -hmm. So now, not only have the Israelites been told who are being led out of Egypt, right? Not only have they been told all of those things you used to worship, yeah, those are actually created by the one true God. This pillar of fire, this pillar of smoke that you're following, you know, actually he is the one that created all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But not only that, he is determining what is good. And then we 
that bridges us into chapter two. Now, remember, you know, there weren't any chapter divisions before. Mm -hmm. And so it, it continues into two. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, does God need a break? No. Wonder why he rested. Well, I think because we need a break. And at some point he was going to, he was going to uh, tell them, you know, that uh, you need to, you need a time, a time to rest. You need a day to rest. And here's the day you rest. That's right. You know, I and think why that, would he need to tell them that? Because they didn't know any better because they had been in, in bondage. Because when, when this is written, he writes that to a group of people who have come out of bondage, they did not know that, that you rested because they did not get that opportunity. They, they, were, they were worked as slaves for, for 400 years, and they, uh, they, were, uh, uh, they, were, they were put upon and beat up and, and inundated with, with the idea of being, being enslaved to the masters of the, as, of the Egyptians. And... So, you know, they didn't give them, they didn't, they barely gave them sustenance to live. They didn't have any, you know, what the reason God sends Moses to them, it says, let my people go. These are my people. And Moses says, let us go out and worship. So they didn't have a chance before. So he's going to help, help them to go worship because they had, they didn't know any, they didn't know that. God had to teach yeah. them. Well, and I believe Pharaoh's response to a lot of these these challenges and mm -hmm. requests was, oh, well, if you have enough time to, to dwaddle about that, I'm going to double your work. Yep. And so they were a people that was just constantly burdened, constantly placed on, constantly expected to perform. And God says, nope, you need rest. And yep. I'm going to demonstrate that yep. by resting myself. Right. Yep. Okay. And so from there, then it gets into the to a, a more specific account. So in the chapter one, we have this huge general account of creation, and it kind of sets some things mm -hmm. in line for the Israelites who have now been led out of Egypt. And then in, ch in chapter two, it gets a little bit more specific, and we see this rulership in action with Adam, right? It tells us where we, we came from, then the Lord God. Now also, I want, you, I want you to pay attention to something here. In the NIV, the Bible I have, in verse, starting in verse four, we start seeing Lord God made the earth and the heavens, mm -hmm. right? It says in verse four, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So now we've gone from God to the Lord God. Okay. Whenever we see Lord like that, and at least in my Bible, it's all caps. And, and I don't know if about yours. Mm -hmm. It is. Okay. So whenever we start to see that in a lot of Bibles, this is an indication of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is that I am. Right, Moses said, "Who am I supposed to?" In the when he's talking to the burning mm -hmm. bush, mm -hmm. who am I supposed to say sent me? Tell them I am mm -hmm. sent me, and it's it's a capital I and a capital A M. In fact, we just had a class on Jesus's I am statements yeah. out of the Book of John, and we looked at the names of God, and we looked at Yahweh and too. We looked at and the names of many God, of the names of God too. So, it's important for us to understand Moses is writing this or telling this to this group of people. Well, they know who this name is now. They do. So when he says this, we're supposed to remember, we're supposed to go, okay, this is a covenant name for God. We've got covenant things going on. We're supposed to raise our awareness a little bit. We're supposed to stop and go, oh, something's going on here. This is important. Whenever we see this in the Old Testament, we need to start paying attention very closely to what is going on, okay? 
And so we've gone transitioned. We've even changed the name of God a little bit. We've said God. Now we're saying the Lord God. Now it's it's the Lord God, Yahweh God. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. This is in verse 5. And no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the ground, water the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted the garden east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees out of the ground. They were pleasing to the eye. They were good for food. Again, we have that good. And who is the determiner of that good? Well, so far, it's always been God, right? We're building a theme here. And then he talks a little bit about some of the things that were in the land, that was around the land. And then look at what he says here in verse uh, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we put a lot of emphasis on that knowledge of good and evil. Oh, there was a tree and it had some fruit. And in that fruit was all of this knowledge of good and evil. Okay. That's not nearly as important as what God just said. Mm -hmm. If you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's it. It's that simple. You eat from this, you'll die. Now, this is what he says. Look at this. Verse 18, the first time he's going to say it. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the first time God says something is not good, is when he recognizes that man is alone. He's placed man in the garden to rule over mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. and then he says, I'm going to make a helper. Now, this word helper is a really poor choice of words. And this is and this is why, this is how I'm going to explain this, okay? If you're painting a room, right? You're painting a room. Or, uh, you know what? You, you just, you guys just finished building a porch, didn't you? Well, we, we were, we were um, staining and decking a porch. Staining yeah. and decking a porch, okay, so... I imagine you did that outside. Mm -hmm. Imagine it was hot. Yep. Your wife bring you water? Uh, my wife was helping, so I was bringing her water sometimes. Oh, okay, you were bringing her water yep. sometimes. Okay, and she was help how was she helping? She was doing the staining. She was doing the staining? Mm -hmm. She She washed the deck. You know, she washed was, the it deck? It was a deck okay. that had been there for a long time, and she washed the deck. And, uh, you know, I, Kevin and I built rebuilt the steps because the steps were kind of dilapidated, so we rebuilt the steps. And then she washed it, and she stained it herself. And so And so she helped? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. No, okay. no, no. She did it. She, okay, so she did it. She didn't help but, but because I didn't, I didn't. The you know, total I did, job. I did what I was told. Okay. <laughs> the total job, though, mm -hmm. in, in redecking and yep. resurfacing yep. and staining, mm -hmm. she was a helper. Absolutely. Okay. That's not what this means. Okay. Not at all. Right. In fact, because the, the reality is you could have done the job without her. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, if she didn't, if she wasn't there to wash the deck, you could have washed the deck. Mm -hmm. Kevin could have washed the deck. Mm -hmm. Okay. What this word means in the Hebrew is what the water was to washing the deck. In other words, you wouldn't have been able to do the job without her. Okay. So she's the water. She's not okay. helping you do it. She's the water. She's okay. the stain. You want to restain the deck? She's the stain. Okay. She is vital to the task. In fact, so vital you so can't it's do not, the job. So it's not... The word helper is not a good translation at all. Not at all. For not this, at all. For Very this poor. Because Very poor helper fact. insinuates that, you know, I helped her or she helped me. Like she handed me nails while I hammered right. the boards. Yeah. You no, know, she is she the nails. Or she, <laughs> but that's not what this says. 
That's not what this translates. That's not what this. That's, that's not what it lends us to look it's at. It's not what it lends us to understand. No, but in the original language, this word is supposed to be something that is vi- okay. Let's put it this way: every other time this word is used, it's God who's doing the helping. Okay. So when God is doing the helping, can anybody else get the job done? No. No. That's that's what's in view here. It's it's something that is vital. Absolutely is it the same word to the ta- as helper? Yeah. I mean, is it the same word? Yes, it's, used every it's the same time? word. Yeah, it's the same word that's used every other time. Hmm. So we're we're talking about now. This is what's so important to understand is this is a cultural understanding. We look at this word and we say, "Oh, a helper." You know, I helped Dan. I handed him. Some well, it's water. like a team player, right? It's like Somebody a team player. Yeah. yeah, but that's not what it means. It's in fact, this person is so important, so important that God would say, "Hey, it's not good," and to solve this not good problem, I'm going to make this. Now, Adam's appreciation of the woman is absolutely on point because now look, he brings, he brings the woman to him. Oh, the side note real quick in verses 19 through 20, we have that authority that man was given exercised, mm-hmm. right? Now the Lord God had formed man out of the ground, uh, formed out of the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Mm-hmm. The authority to name something like that is is a demonstration of authority over it. I named my my wife and I named our cats, right? Y'all have cats. Y'all, I'm sure, named your cats. Mm-hmm. If you had a dog, you named the dog. It's that I'm exercising authority over it. We name our children, right? It's a very simple thing, but in this culture, it lets us know who is in charge, okay. right? And again, it's not all those animals you used to worship. It's yeah. man, okay? Yeah. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so then he... Now look at what Adam says when he brings him the woman. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Flesh, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And then it says Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. When you understand it from that perspective, it uh, it gives a whole new meaning to how a man and a woman should treat each other. Yeah. You know, yeah, it does. How, a, how, a, how a husband should look upon his wife, not as an inferior person, and being, but as one that is absolutely vital to the, his success in life, absolutely vital to his his moving forward in life. Uh, you know, for for Adam. Now, now it doesn't mean that that uh, that every that every person is going to have a mate. Every person is going to have and uh, a a a wife. You know, every person can have a husband. Uh, but it but it does when you have one, th- there is a definite advantage. To having one that's made that that you look at from this perspective. Well, and remember what it was. What was the task that God set before man, to rule? Yes. Mm-hmm. No suitable helper was found, until God made woman, mm-hmm. and now they're meant to rule as one flesh. This was the task in which women were supposed to be helping with. Good. Now it's kind how, of mind blowing, isn't it? How many how many counseling sessions I've had with. With two people that are trying to, uh, they're trying to rule by themselves, or they're trying to rule the whole kit caboodle. They don't have any place in their in their life for their mate to help rule. They just want to do it all themselves. How narcissistic and completely self-absorbed most people are. Most of us are. I was too. So was I. Absolutely. So was I. As a, as Absolutely. a guy, so as a guy. Yep. you know, how much easier my life would have been if I had applied these principles or this principle to my life of what well, helper really meant. Well, I mean, but to get to that point, 
you have to be, I, I would say to get to that point where you could really understand this, you have to first accept Christ, I would say. I understand that, but I'm not to that point yet. Yeah. Because I was invariably going up on that porch and trying to tell her how to how to stain that deck. <laughs> People say, oh, go go figure. That's, that's just who Dan is, you know. But, uh, but you know, I mean, it, if if she was, if it was truly only her that could do it, then I would have, I would have not even been around, not even done it. But, you know, it, it, but we did do it as a team because there were things, she, places she doesn't, she's not going to get on a ladder, period. So anything high up, I had to get up and do that. So, right. so we did it together as a team. Uh, but I understand this is this is different than that. This is if she doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. If she's not there, it can't happen. Yeah, that's really what it is. If we what what this is saying is, if you really want to accomplish the rulership that God has given us, that God expects of us, at least at this portion of the in the story, then the reality is you have to do it with woman. Think you have about, to do it together. Think about what it must have been like for for the uh, for the Israelites to get this document. To get this letter, or to get this 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 whole to, to get this information, yeah, yeah, get the information, and to realize that they had just come from a place where they weren't in charge of anything. They weren't in charge of anything. They weren't in charge of their own families. The their their slave masters could could do whatever they wanted to their own families, you know, and so they had no control at all. And now they've left. It's it's no wonder that they went kind of berserk at first, and went kind of crazy, and and. And we're terrified at the same time, so there's no wonder. But you know, I understand what God's trying to say here. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. It's it's not a good thing that man's alone. But but He's going to say, and this is good. You know, yeah. to have this woman, it's good. And and that's what Adam said too. Man, this is not just a woman. This is now bone of my bone. That means that means they are they are joined. You know, I mean, you've only been married a few years. Ten. Ten years—that's a few years when it when you when you look at some of us out here who've been married 40, 50, 60 years. Fair enough. Yes. And you know, <laughs> and and when you when yes, you look at a true. at a wife and you say, you know, I would I would give my life for you, because you are me. That's that's where a lot of us get to, and I've sadly I've seen a lot that didn't get to that place, where where they don't have that mindset, and it causes problems. It causes a great deal of problems yeah. in their life because of their mindset. So now we get in now, now we're in chapter three. So mm -hmm. God has set up this dynamic, what's good, what's not good. And he's addressed that, right? He hasn't left it to them. He, he didn't, he no, told man, you're no. to rule. But when a situation popped up that was not good, God steps in, mm -hmm. right? And he says, okay, I'm going to, I've got to, I've got to solve this. So there is mm -hmm. most certainly a expectation now, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Let's look at Genesis chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Notice we're still dealing with that covenant Lord, right? He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, we're supposed to be following this narrative, and we should be latching on to this good, not good. Now, that evil, uh, it, it, really, it really means not good as well. It's, it's mm -hmm. like not good or bad. 
Uh, we a lot of times with evil, evil can be such a pregnant term because we want to stuff all sorts of stuff into mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But it, it just really means like the opposite of good, so bad. Um, so now God has been dictating what all these things are. Now the serpent, his part of this temptation is, look, you will know it. You will be determining things on your own because you'll be like God. Now a lot of people get a, uh, get a little bit out of shape about... Um, you know, oh, she says you must not touch it or you will die. And they say, oh, look, you know, that's not what that's not what God said. She needs to know what God says. And, and I certainly don't disagree with that. But the, per, the point of this, I would say, is less that and more this. God has said, you're going to die if you eat this. Do you believe him? And the answer is no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. And Adam doesn't either. Adam is right there with her. We, you know, we think, oh, well, Adam, you know, was right there with her. Paul will say, uh, I believe it's in Timothy, he'll say that I don't allow a woman to teach a man because the woman was deceived. Well, that's in Eve's own words. She's going to tell God, I was deceived. So in this creation story, we see that the bone of our bone, the, flat, the thing that is vital to us ruling, was deceived. Man was not. See, Eve believed what the serpent said, but Adam didn't. Adam just didn't believe God. It's that simple. So the question of, are we going to believe God or not? This is what it's asking. We talk about belief a lot of times as Christians. We talk about belief in action. We say, if you're going to believe Jesus, then you actually need to do what he's James. James basically says the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The lie is that we can believe God and still not do anything. Well, if I believe, if I say I believe God and then I don't want to do anything, I don't want to live out my faith, then the reality is you don't believe God. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And it was the same thing for them in the garden. The temptation is whether you're going to believe God or not. Think about, let's flash forward real quick to the New Testament. Let's think about Jesus and temptation for a second. Right before Jesus went off into the wilderness for 40 days, he stood there. He was baptized in the Jordan by um, John. Mm-hmm. He's baptized by John. He came up out of the water and a voice from heaven said, this This is my son son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, what did Satan say before he tempted him? If you are the son of God. Yeah. See, temptation comes in a lot of different ways, right? Mm -hmm. We are tempted because, right, as it'll say here in the text, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. That's all temptation. Mm -hmm. But what is the temptation? To not believe what God has said. It's that simple. For Jesus, the temptation was, are you going to believe what God has said? He said, you're his son. Are you going to believe that? Well, if you are the son of God, do this, do that. I've never been tempted, believe it or not, Dan, you might find, you might be surprised, but I've never been tempted to turn uh, stones into bread. (laughs) Do you believe that? Yeah. I've just, I've never been tempted that way. I've never, I've never been tempted to throw myself off a building so angels will catch me. Never. Can you believe it? I can believe it. Oh my gosh. I, I'm <laughs> Never. But you know what I have been tempted to do? Not believe what God has said. I've been tempted to be terrified about the direction of our country. I've been tempted to be terrified about whether or not I'm going to have enough food at the end of the day. I've been tempted to be terrified about whether we're going to have a place to live or whether we're going to have clothes on our back. I've gone through things like that. I have been tempted in that way. Absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I haven't always succeeded. Sometimes, much like Eve, I failed. A lot of times in my life, I tried to control everything. But yet the Word of God says very clearly, 
if you want these things, your father knows you need them. Pursue my righteousness and these things will be added unto you. Do we believe him? Eve and Adam, they didn't. Now Eve says she's deceived and we'll get down there, but Adam most certainly didn't. So then it says in verse 7, chapter 3, then the eyes of both of them were open. So they've, they've fallen, they've failed the test. The eyes of both of them are opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And this is something that we need to understand is that oftentimes when we start defining good and bad, the things that God has said are good become bad. Because remember, they were naked and they felt no shame. There was no, this wasn't a shaming thing. They were naked. They were together and they were naked. Now, I'm not advocating that everybody no, show up to church no. next Sunday naked. That's no. not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when God determines what is good and what is bad, and when we steal that from him and say, nope, I'm going to determine it from now on, well, then what is has been good can become very bad. And it's very clear right here in the text. They were naked and they were shamed rather than living the way God had created them. And when we do that, what we've done is we've taken control away and said, I want to be in control and I'm going to worship my own ability. The same thing that the, that that he's talked about before. We talked about in, last week in chapter one, you know, he made the things that they worshiped. You know, he made us and we begin to worship ourselves. Think now to Romans chapter one. For even though they knew God, mm -hmm. they did not honor him or give thanks. Yep. But instead... They suppressed and exchanged the truth and worshiped the creation rather than the creator. They were the determiners of what was going to be good and what was going to be bad. The text will go on. Um, God comes and looks for them, right? And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? No. Walking with the Lord God, the creator of everything. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. I mean, we have part of that now, right? The Spirit comes and He dwells within us. So we, we have a part of that now. But to have the complete fullness of it, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't I mean, wait. The... Walking with them in the cool of day and they hid from the Lord God. So now, now look at what's been broken. Has relationships been broken? See, when the Lord God determined what was good and what was bad, everything was kosher. But when they did it, it their relationship is now broken. In verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man... Where are you? Yeah, because you're not here with me anymore. Yeah. You think God was confused, didn't know what happened? No, he knew exactly what happened. Well, the man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, well, the woman you put here with me this woman that's vital to the task, that's absolutely necessary, that I need to accomplish the mission, right? She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now notice he doesn't say he was deceived. He just didn't believe God. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Kind of gives us a little insight yeah. into Paul's quotation mm -hmm. of this later mm -hmm. on. So the Lord God said to the serpent, now this is, this is so important. Uh, what we're about to read is the beginning of a red line. Now, some might argue that that red line starts in chapter 1, verse 26. Peace. I'm not, I, I'm not convinced either way uh, about that necessarily. But here is a very clear indication. And this is a red line. It's a red thread that begins here 
and now we'll trace everything through the Word of God all the way into the New Testament. Furthermore, this becomes the crux of the entire Old Testament story. So let's, let's read. So the Lord God said to the servant, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So before God ever judges man and woman, before he even pronounces a, con a word against them, he looks at that enemy, the adversary, the serpent, and he says, you're done. Now, that's that's a pretty important thing I think yeah, for parents think to grab so. onto. Yep. You know, before we ever discipline our children, maybe we ought to think about addressing the root problem before we ever deal with them. And notice his addressing the root problem is promising their salvation. Yep. Because this is absolutely talking about Jesus. Now I've never seen The Passion, but I've talked to people who have. I'm talking about the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of Christ. Mm -hmm. And they said that in the garden when Jesus is praying, there was a serpent Mm -hmm. And its head was smashed. Mm -hmm. That's yep. what this is. In That's exactly to. what this is about. Yep. And I would agree with that. I think. I think that whoever was advising Mel Gibson on that film, maybe, maybe I don't. I'm not too familiar with Catholic doctrine. But maybe that's maybe that's a commonly held thing in, in the Catholic Church. But I would certainly say the battle was won in Gethsemane. That it was fought and won in Gethsemane. You know. I mean. Yeah. And, and you're probably right. I. I think. I think it was. Uh, I think it was one much earlier than that. Okay. Uh, I think it was one uh, when Jesus made the decision to come, when it was decided for him to come. Good and point. That's chapter, good. Fair. Philippians chapter two. He emptied himself of himself. He he left. He left his father. Emptied himself of himself. I think it was one already there. Now, the 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 act had to be done. He huh. had to go through the through the through the obedience process. He had to do what he was told. And, and go to the cross because it was going to be the symbol, symbolism of what they were going to experience through Passover and all that. And, and we'll get all, to all that later on. But, but uh, you know, with Jesus, yes, I understand he's pleading in the garden. I, do, I agree with you. It could, you could trace it from there. But I think early on it says, it says in Philippians 2 when he empties himself mm -hmm. and, and he becomes man, he becomes lower than the angels. He comes, and he humbled himself even humbled to himself, death. Humbled himself even to death. Well, when he did that, he had already decided it's done. It's done. And in God's mind, it already had been done. But he had to go through it. He had to finish it. So in the garden, I agree with you, he's, he's begging for his life. He, I don't want to do this. But he's already decided that even though he's not going to answer me in the way I want, I'm still going to go do it. That's he'd fair, already decided. He'd already decided point. back then. Here, it's, a, it's very prominent for us to look at and say, this is called the mother promise. Genesis 3.15 is called the mother promise. You know, the promise that God makes to the serpent, the promise that he makes to us, that one day the power you have, I'm going to take care of the power and I'm going to, and I'm going to destroy your power. You're going to strike him. You're going to strike him. I know a guy that got bit by a snake. I know a guy that got bit three times. He was sane in a tank. He got bit three times by a water moccasin. And a water moccasin is a nasty animal, Okay. It is a nasty, nasty, nasty animal. Not that it's dirty. It's just, it's just, it's just got a nasty personality. Have you ever, have you ever been around one? No. Man, they have got a nasty personality. 
and and they were they were saying it was getting low, and so they were going to try to get all the fish. And they were going to take them to the Navidad River, and they were going to put them in the Navidad River to save the fish, because the tank was drying up, and a, and a snake bit him not once, not twice, mm. but three times bit him, you know, on it on his on his foot. I believe it was three times. It's been a long time ago, but but he got really really sick. Never went to the doctor, but he got really. But that snake struck him right at below the water. He could see see it strike him right below the water line. So as he's squirting venom, it's going. So he didn't get all the venom, is what I'm saying. But the point is, is that even though that that snake struck him on the heel, he didn't die. Didn't kill him. I know another guy that got bit by a rattlesnake. And uh, and he and he was shredding and he cut, they cut him up, a den of them coming out. There was he said they were boiling out of that hole, and uh, and he ran the shredder over them, and cut them up, and he stepped off the shredder. He didn't have any shoes on, he was on that he was on that shredder on that tractor without any shoes on, and he stepped off and a piece of one about that long, bit him on the on the on the foot, and he he died twice, almost died numerous times after that. I don't. I had lost track of him because you know later on, but he was uh, the last I saw of him when I knew him. He was he's a guy that lived across the street. He still had a gaping hole in his foot, and he still walked with a limp. You know when I knew him when I saw him the last, and uh, and but that snake did not kill him. And this doctor said that that snake struck him so hard and was so angry that it dumped everything it had in him. That's why he almost died from that snake. It wasn't a. a, a it wasn't a. a you know, great big, humongous, you know, fang marks. You know, like like we've seen where people die pretty quickly. You know, but it didn't kill him. So when he says here, you're going to strike him on the heel. Not going to be fatal. It's going to hurt him. It's going to put him down, but it's not going to hurt him. You know, you you'll try to kill him, but you won't be able to. You won't keep him down. But you know what I'm going to do to you? You know what he's going to do to you? He's going to he's going to crush your head. I don't, I've never. I've got all these stories, but I never have gotten a story of someone who I know that had their head crushed. Never. <laughs> I know that's happened before, but I've not experienced it in anybody I knew where that's happened before. You know, I know a guy that was in a car wreck and hit it and planted his face against the windshield, and he was never the same. You know, broke all the bones in his face. I know that. That was before airbags and. This was a killing blow. Yeah, this one, this, one, this one crushed his head. Yeah, that, and that's the point. It crushed his head. It killed him. It's a killing blow. And well, and he goes on. He goes on. So he, he targets that serpent, and he gives this promise. Now, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. the rest of the Old Testament is the Absolutely. adversary trying Absolutely. to kill off this bloodline. Yeah. And it's going to start in chapter 4. Yes. <laughs> it's going to start right yeah. after this. And, that, and that's a good point, because that's exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to kill this bloodline off. He's going to try to do everything he can to kill, kill this bloodline. Kill off the bloodline, yep. Now, you need to be thinking about this, though, because there's a promise here. There's a promise. Now, we know who it is, but these Israelites who are wandering in the desert have no yeah. idea. They have no idea who this guy is, is being promised to, right? All, all we know is oh, there's a okay. guy that's coming yeah. who's going to crush this, the they head of the snake. They don't know it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. No. They don't know, but they know they're supposed to be looking for someone. And so this begins the great hunt. And they're constantly looking for this guy. Who is this guy going to be? And when's he coming? And when's he coming? And so the text within Genesis will see this cycle, this constant loop of people that were being shown. And the question we should be asking, is this the guy? Is this the guy? 
That's the question we need to be asking, okay? And we this gets fostered even into the law because Moses says there's another one coming who is like me, who would do greater things than even me. You need to listen to him. Moses will tell them, mm-hmm. I believe it's in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. before he dies. And so that codifies this idea of constantly looking. Yeah. And so we have to go through Genesis with the same mindset. We're looking for the one that God has promised. And we need to understand that Satan is trying to do everything he can to kill off this bloodline. Yeah. And that, I mean, if I'm sure that helps some people understand the Old Testament a little bit better already. Well, you know, when everything we come to, when we come to Abraham. Yeah. And we come to the, the you know, we're going to look at it and say, this is symbolic of, you know, when he's told to go kill his son. You know, he believes, Hebrews tells us, he believes that he, his God could raise his son from the dead. That's right. So he kills him. In his heart, he kills him. Well... You know, we know that that everything there, everything there is God's plan unfolding as it unfolds. You know, this is Isaac. This is the promised one. This is the holy child. This is the child that God is going to bring his seed line from. And here he says, I want you to go kill this boy. Go kill him. Well, Abraham said, this is so important. This is so important that... If he really needs to spoil life, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> everything. What you're saying is everything gets. Everything revolves around this this verse, and that those yes. are just part of the things that 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 show us that that very thing. Well, and let's and so let's keep going. So then he looks at the woman, and he says to the woman, he said, "I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you." Um, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it, you were taken to dust. You are, and to dust, you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. They messed up. They sinned. Required sacrifice. Mm. Now he covers their shame, whereas before there was no shame. He covers their shame through the death of some through the death of something. And that's now remember the Israelites have received the sacrificial law by this time. They've they've received all of this. Mm-hmm. So they start to see this connection between sacrifice, sin to cover sin. We need sacrifice and it goes on the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever now this is not a punishment this is protection this is protection Mm -hmm. because right now that question that god asked where are you they were separated if man reaches out his hand and eats from the tree of life now, that's eternal separation yeah. from God. Yeah. There is no there is no forgiveness. There is no coming there's, back from that. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Now there's nothing. Whereas before there was a chance, now there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So God guards the way to the tree of life and says, nope, you can't go there. You can't eat that. And it's for your own good. Now, do we understand that? Do we get that? You it's know, a hard think, thing. It's a I hard think, thing. I think you know, you know, one of the things, and you know, we can we can get into this next week. I mean, we we, you know, we've kind of run the course, but and we'll talk about it a little bit. You know, about the separation from God. You know, because there is now a separation from God. It's not the same as it was before. There's no walking hand in hand in the garden anymore. Not like it was. There's still God still there, 
But the, but it's different now because there's sin in their life. That's right. So there has been a separation. That's the death he's talking about. And we'll talk about it next week. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into, into it, it more. Because we need, to, we need to talk about it some more. I, I think, think so. For people to understand it, you know, and 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 what the what these Israelites as they're as they're wandering through the wilderness, they're they've they've uh, the, everything that the reason they're there is because of sin. Well, and what is sin but deciding that we're going to define good and evil yeah, for ourselves? Absolutely. And we know that the Israelites who wandered through the desert they excelled at trying to define this manna from heaven isn't good enough. We need quail. Yeah. You know, oh, maybe we should go back to Egypt where it was so much. Yeah, better. we're dying of thirst here. How come we ain't got no water? Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you just lead us out here so that we could die? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to get into way more stuff yeah. about salvation, about God's relationship with us, and, and how this thread, this this Genesis 3.15, you know, I really suggest you mark that, in, you know, on your tablet or something or on your Bible. Just mark it. Just underline it and just just put Mother Promise next to it because that is what it is. It is the, th- it is the line, that that red line that's going to run through the rest of the book. I mean, all through this book. It's not just there. It's going to go all the way to the book of Revelation. It goes everywhere in this book. It's that line of, of the promise that God made that I will save you. One day someone's going to come to save you. We say that was Jesus Christ. You know, the Israelites wandering through the desert, I wonder if they were wondering it was, if it was Moses or not. Well, of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. You know, until he went up on the mountain and didn't come down. You know, and they said, well, no, what we'll do, we'll make a calf. <laughs> we, we will again determine what yeah, is good we'll for determine. ourselves. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be the so, determiners. All right, let's pray, man. We'll be done. Father in heaven, thank you for this class. Thank you for the, for the text that we looked at and for the, for the promise of salvation in our lives. Father, we have defined what is right and wrong in our lives, and we have not listened to you in our lives, and we need a, we need a, a Savior, and you, pro- you provided that in the in the in the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you for the relationship we have and the, and the, the closeness that we have because of him and not because of us. Bless us, Father, as we, as we navigate through these texts and help the people to understand what that salvation can mean to them. And thank you so much for him. And it's by, in his name and by his authority we